0: Welcome to episode 120 of the half point for podcast i'm your host evan riggs joined as always by my co-host dalton willie and our producer johnny fam guys we've got a fun one today a little smoke or fire segment which dalton came up with so i'm gonna have him explain the difference between smoke and fire when we get to that A little deep waiver watch and of course like we ended the show with last week a very short but sweet dynasty league update for those listeners dalton uh spoiler alert got a win in that league this week yeah that's right despite having maybe the worst roster uh (laughs) you could possibly imagine uh now that i said that he will beat me uh this upcoming week dalton how you doing tonight i'm doing well we when you win in a league that you're actively tanking to be the worst possible and your two starting running backs are Jordan Mason and Amir Abdullah. Don't slander Jordan Mason like that. You're right. All three there, of his touches. There there are a lot of Jordan Mason fans on Twitter. This clip gets around any of them. This podcast is going to get, hey, I'm telling you, search the name Jordan Mason on Twitter. They're out there. Well, those truthers can show me how many more touches he's going to get next week if that's the case. Well, if Christian McCaffrey didn't have eighty-five touchdowns, he might get more. It is what it is. Jordan Mason Hive Mind, Trey Sermon Hive Mind. They can combine <laughs> for all six of those fans. <laughs> Johnny, how are you doing tonight? Good, doing good. Happy to be here. Um, insane that we're at episode one hundred and twenty, but we're yeah. uh, looking forward to another one hundred and twenty. That's right. At a at a nice round number. Always always appreciate that. And yeah, it doesn't. It both feels like and doesn't feel like we've been doing this for 120 episodes, if that makes sense. like It seems like we started this a long time ago, mm-hmm. but also to think that it's actually been 120 episodes worth of time ago is, is pretty is it hard. like three years worth? I think I, three years, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think like a lot of people, this was a, a COVID uh, venture. We, we were bored and we were constantly... Complaining and talking about football, fantasy football, whatever. So they're like, "Hey, let's just start pod. We got enough else to do. Let's just start podcast." Yep. I would, I would even like know if the NFL was going to be a thing that year. Yeah, well, honestly, we're like, we really hope we have fans football to talk about yep. during the season. Now look at us we, we we could do like a whole Taylor Swift segment if we wanted to. Look how far did that go? True. Going. I mean, I would like to add since the first episode, Dalton has added one piece of furniture into his room that um, <laughs> that like couch right behind him is the first. I thing have that moved we've seen. three times. Three times, and it's, it's a, still uh, still a mess. Only, one piece only of have furniture. one extra piece in your back in your backdrop. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike the two of you, I don't live with women, and I have the ultimate male setup, which is a, chair a squatter's team. place. <laughs> For anybody that knows Dalton, they won't be surprised that the bookshelf that he has over his uh, your left in the screen, if you're looking at him o- over that shoulder, is so short that it can't even be seen in in the picture. Any questions? <laughs> On that note, speaking of not being able to be seen, let's talk about Jameer Gibbs for a minute, Dalton, before we get into uh, the real meat of this show. I I just thought it would be a worthwhile conversation because, you know, I wasn't able to watch much of Thursday night's game. I was uh, at Chicken and Pickle having a good time. You know, game was on TV, looked up every now and then uh, to see an Amon around St. Brown touchdown and then approximately, actually, exactly. 32 david montgomery runs and that was pretty much pretty much the game but what i did see when i got home that night was just the i don't even know how else to say it the most over the top like discourse of a rookie through four weeks that i could remember at least in our time doing this show maybe in my time paying really close attention to fantasy football, even like it, it was just like people are convinced that because this guy is not getting 20 touches in week four of his rookie season, he's a bust. Like I, I, I don't understand it. Dalton, maybe you can help me understand or, or give your perspective here. I think we're, we're pretty much in lockstep that there's a massive overreaction going on on Twitter. It's also one thing when, we're watching twenty-seven-year-old Zeke Elliott take touches away from Tony Pollard, knowing that Zeke's touches are inefficient. It's a and, totally and, and, and Ramondre Stevenson. Now, it's, yes. I thought that's where you were going. <laughs> no, and then we look at we look at David Montgomery, who is doing really well with his touches. Is converting? I looked it up. He has the twelfth highest conversion rate for first downs in the NFL among running backs. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's doing his job, and the Lions' offense is humming. So. The complaints about Gibbs are strictly people who drafted him in the third round expecting an Alvin Kamara-esque workload, and that's your own damn fault. Well, guess what, Dalton? He is getting an Alvin Kamara-esque workload from, you know, circa rookie season, which, again, like, okay, we can have two different conversations here. I think we can all three agree on this podcast. We would not take a running back 12th overall in the real NFL draft. Yep. However. That does not mean that the running back taken 12th overall is a bust through four games. Now, is it great positional value? I think we would argue no. But, like, it is still so early in this guy's career. He is playing with, like you said, we've never been the biggest David Montgomery fans, but that was when we had to, again, talk people out of picking him as a third-round pick, like you mentioned with Gibbs. Like, David Montgomery as a fifth-round, sixth-round fantasy pick, as a 1A or 1B in an offense, perfectly good, doing quite well. 32 carries for 121 yards and three touchdowns as the Lions beat their biggest rival, arguably, on the road the other day. Like, you mentioned Alvin Kamara. Well, guess what? You know, our, our buddy Eli was was kind of – having these same thoughts about Gibbs, you know, doing what Eli does kind of tweeting and thanking out loud at, at the same time. And he's just talking about the usage being completely sane long-term and the points are decent in the running back landscape, which is true with, with what the running back landscape is looking like, like you're still starting Jameer Gibbs. He's already um, 28. Yeah. Rookie. Like I, you can't throw a lot of shade that way. Yeah. Well, and, And Eli made the point, like a little like Kamara, uh, Javante Williams-like even. And so I went back and looked. I was curious. Through their rookie seasons, now Jameer Gibbs obviously was only four games in, so a small sample size. And he did also have the game without Montgomery that helped his touches a little bit. But it was like five, six more. It wasn't crazy. Christian McCaffrey, 12.6 touches per game as a rookie. Alvin Kamara, 12.3 touches per game as a rookie Jameer Gibbs through four games 13.3 touches per game as a rookie so it I I don't know I I guess it's just it's the people who are saying but the draft capital all offseason when arguing why this guy should be a third round pick even like he got as high as a second round pick later later in the offseason I guess it's just all those people who are mad that their flawed logic was wrong but I I just wanted to to kind of rant about that for a minute because I I think the the discourse around Gibbs is, is crazy it's not like a, a Kyle Pitts situation where the team is bad so you should try and get this guy the ball more it's like no the team is three and one the one game they lost was in overtime they could have very easily won and like like they like you said the offense is humming I just it, it's been a frustrating deal for me to follow, and I hope, I, I know this will not be the case, I hope this will be a lesson for people that just because a guy was taken with high draft capital doesn't mean he, you, you got to immediately bump him up your fantasy points. I know he's a good player, so like, yeah, he you take him with a high pick, but this is the risk of taking a guy sight unseen in the second round. Well, even then, I, I don't understand what your expectation was drafting him at Alabama. His one year there, he averaged 16.25 touches per game. Yeah. He's gotten higher than that in two games this season and come close to that. I mean, his lowest touch total was week one, where he had nine touches, which I think is perfectly fine, all things considered. Uh, it's the first and he game. also like he he slipped on a play where he would have scored a touchdown week one. If he doesn't do that, he's probably. I don't have the rankings in front of me. He might be RB20, and we're just having a very different conversation, even if that doesn't happen. Yeah, well, then Ben Johnson has him running choice routes out of the backfield, which is something you don't expect out of young running backs. And his target per route run is the highest among running backs right now. Now, granted, his routes run lower than most. because Well, and 100- again, they, they played – a game where they all they did what Jared Goff, there are four passes in the second half of that game. It was yep. something crazy like that. Like they didn't have to pass at all. So you look at those two guys, who's going to be the better guy, the guy who grinds out the game, like Montgomery at this stage makes more sense. And to your point, like the volume isn't there for the passes be, partially because he has one whole half of a small sample size where they just weren't throwing the ball. Yeah. And we know rookies become more involved after their bye week. It's just, it's how the game plays out every year. And if you're a disgruntled Jameer Gibbs fan right now and you trade him away, you're probably going to be paying for it in, you know, week 12, when Jameer Gibbs is getting 16 very high value touches. His high value touches for game right now is matching Ramondre Stevenson just because of his past game usage. Uh, that's from Ben Gretchenbitt stealing signals. So I just don't, I don't, I don't buy that. the The upset is strictly because he's not a top 10 running back right now those were bullish expectations from the get-go. I think he's just fine. And one of the more consistent RB2s you can get in fantasy right now. Well, and, you know, like, like, uh, like you said, I I think if, if Gibbs is, if some, if the Gibbs owner is is fed up and ready to move on, I'm pouncing on that in redraft in dynasty, especially if you can find now it's harder to, to buy low, In dynasty because it's dynasty just the the nature of it being a a long-term deal but you still might be able to to pluck Gibbs away for it may not even be a super buy low but just slightly less than his value was four weeks ago like that that may be possible yeah I agree with that too all right on to actual topics of the show here Dalton you wanted to put deep waiver watch to start this off, I'm assuming you had a guy in mind that you wanted to talk about. I'm going to laugh. if I, I have one guy, and I'm going to laugh when it's the same guy as, as you. I have two guys here. Uh, I, I give my first one who you might have, um, but we're going back to the well of the entire offseason and picking a Chiefs wide receiver to talk about who maybe is going to hit. Uh, this time it's Rasheed Rice. Uh, Rishi Rice on very limited play volume has been incredibly efficient. He's the third best uh, targets per route run among all the rookie wide receivers, being outdone by Puka Nakua and Zay Jones, who have had way better careers thus far in four games. He's also had the fifth most high value touches in the NFL, according to Ben Gretsch. Uh, if you remember in week three, he was stopped at the goal line twice on catches that would have resulted in touchdowns. And the conversation around him is probably drastically different. And the Kansas City Chiefs just simply don't have players who are getting it done. Uh, Sky Moore is, is, has been catchless in numerous games in his career. MVS and Justin Watson are just guys. And Kadarius Toney is good for a 30% snap share <laughs> per game. So they're going to continue to look to expand this offense and find new ways to use it. And I'm always looking to buy into rookies who are doing well. Uh, in small sample sizes because those sample sizes usually grow as the, as the season goes on. So he's my first deep waiver ad from CBS. His roster percent is 18%. So I think he's really attainable in most leagues. You're not going to have to put a bid on him. He's somebody you can get, you know, after waivers clear. And I think he's somebody you sit uh, and he's not a roster anchor because you're not starting him until we see more in your redraft. Yeah. we'll we'll talk about the chiefs receivers as a whole, a little bit more, I, I think to close out the show. So I I, I won't say, much there other than I agree now the guy I thought you were going to say and the guy that I think you're going to have coming up next possibly is Demario Douglas for the Patriots is he your second guy by chance no I didn't want to put two guys on my dynasty roster here my other guy is on my dynasty roster as well. <laughs> so he's, he's just a fun player did I'm sure you saw the the play against the Cowboys where he catches the pass looks like he's gonna juke instead turns around like he's gonna reverse field So he has his back to the defender about 30 yards down the field and then fakes him out and goes back the way he was originally going to go. And he put that guy on the ground. Like he's just, he's an exciting player. He's explosive right now. 80% of his snaps are in the slot. Juju is a 50, 50 slot and outside. Hopefully he he can continue to kind of eat into Juju's workload. Uh, Juju still has the lead right now. And it's hard to read into the snap share stuff too much when they got beat so badly like they did against the Cowboys. But this is an offense that really needs some explosiveness, and he is the most likely of any of these receivers uh, to do it. So he's a guy that if you have a spot, pick him up. If you don't, he is firmly on the radar. Yeah, uh, he's he's third among rookie wide receivers in forced miss tackle rate as well. Um, he's really elusive. It's always dangerous game to pick any Patriots wide receiver up, as we've seen. The other guy I had on my list who I'll just run through quickly is Chris Brooks. Uh, Most of the reason he's on here is I would take any running back in Miami right now with the way they're running the ball. And I, I just think it's really important that you have a back who does things differently and he does the most difference between the other three backs in the roster. He's more of a grinder and in between the tackles guy. We saw he does have at least some skill and what he did against the Denver Broncos with a Mm -hmm. 64-yard run. Uh, And if this team ever needs to grind things out, he could become that guy. And I'm always betting on uh, 185-pound back and then Raheem Moster and Jeff Wilson, all three of those guys have big injury concerns all season Mm -hmm. long, so it's always good to just have somebody in that backfield, and I think that's a good one to take. Yeah, and I'm always uh, very pro taking shots in the dark on uh, – on the Matt Waldman guy. And this is a Matt Waldman special. Uh, one of Waldman's favorite deep sleepers at, at running back. Um, I could be wrong on this, but just based on scouting reports, I think that Waldman liked Brooks coming out of BYU better than he liked Tyler Algier the year before coming out of BYU, just to, to give people um, a reference point, not saying that's necessarily what he's going to be in the NFL, what he could be this year, but he's at least a guy... I don't think you probably need to waste a roster spot on him right now, but if there is an injury to another one of, of those backs, like if Jeff Wilson's still out and Mostert goes down, um, you, I think, will at least know based on this, okay, I got to go a little bit heavier on on Brooks and other people because he, he could be a pretty good little player. Yeah. And, th- and that's what I, I, I also think this Miami offense is going to evolve as the season goes on because they're going to have to and people catch on to their game. And I don't think we we, we saw that with the Bills. They, they definitely were, were baiting them and not falling for the motions and and, and the stuff that worked the first two weeks, or first three weeks was not. Yeah. And I think McDaniels will be the kind of coach that does evolve. And some of that could be between the tackles, runners, and they might need somebody like Brooks. To end their season. Mm-hmm. Speaking of motion, we've got a question from Motion Man, the chat here. One and three in a 10 man PPR redraft league. He received an offer of David Montgomery and Tyler Lockett for Jerry Judy and Ramondre Stevenson. Should he accept? I would say without knowing the rest of your roster, my biggest concern. Well, I have a lot of concerns because this is a scary deal. My <laughs> biggest my, my biggest concern would be Tyler Lockett is on a bye week this week. So I wouldn't be pumped about trading for a guy on a bye week. If you're looking for a win this week, if you need to start that guy, like if you're three and one four and oh, I like going out and buying guys on bye weeks from teams like you who are one and three. So that alone makes me lean more toward the other side. And even though the Zeke stuff is scary, I, I think Ramondre is the best guy in this trade. So that's the side I'm taking. Uh, I'm actually leaning on the Lockett side. Uh, Lockett's third in the NFL in red zone targets among wide receivers. Like, you might, I don't think Judy does anything for you this week that the zero from Lockett's going to do for you. Like it's going to hurt. They play the New York Jets. You're not starting Jerry Judy one way or another, in my opinion. Uh, and then the Patriots roster, the, the team continues to worry me. They lost Matthew Judon. It's going to be harder for them to stay in close games. I don't know what Ramondre Stevenson's involvement will look like, but I also know that he's been less efficient this year than in years past. Uh, and then obviously we, we know there's high touchdown equity in Detroit for David Montgomery. I I think if, if you could get – like I don't know what the other guy's roster looks like. If you could get a player who is widely viewed as in a similar tier as Jerry Judy, I would prefer that um, if you've listened to this show much before. Um, or maybe you haven't, but if you haven't, uh, we, n- none of us have been big Jerry Judy fans. So, and he's not off to a good start. So, I think you might be able to to swap him out for a guy of similar stature, and we would both feel better about it. I I still would take the the Remandre side, but I I definitely like I have concerns both ways. Yeah. All right, Dalton. Let's jump into the meat of the show here. Little smoke or fire. The way I understand it is smoke it means it's either not true or like there's to me, the way I did it is there's different levels of smoke. Like there's like very untrue or, you know, the more smoke there is, it's like, yeah, like, you know, kind of maybe, but not, not totally. And fire obviously is is true. Is that the way to play the game? That is the way to play the game. If there's smoke, it's probably not true. But if there's fire, we know it's true. All right. Let's start in New York. Saquon Barkley, Dalton, Smoke or fire is Saquon Barkley. And I'm not going to say smoke or fire every time. You just tell me if it's smoke or fire. Is Saquon Barkley the only New York Giants player worth starting in a standard fantasy football league? I am going with smoke here. You need, I put this on here specifically because it's time for you to uh, look back at your Darren Waller take before the season and either double down, um, feel bad about it, or somewhere in the middle I, I need I need one of those three stances from you I'm not apologizing <laughs> I'm not apologizing to anybody. I'm gonna apologize foremost, to the to the 300 plus people who watched our Darren Waller is a league winner video on YouTube on behalf of the podcast I apologize was not it, was it my take we got three quarters left of the season <laughs> Darren Waller right now at this moment 10th in the NFL among tight ends and targets. Perfectly fine usage. Problem, it's Daniel Jones. Yeah, but think about it. Always think, about, been there. Th- think about how low the volume is at, at tight end past the, the first couple of guys. Tenth on paper seems okay, but I bet when you look at the actual numbers, it's pretty depressing. I think he's like eight targets underneath number one right now. The only tight end on this list, yeah. So 31 is top and Darren Waller is 23. It's a difference of eight so far, um, and that's with one game where he had three targets. The what I'll say is the next two games, Miami and Buffalo, Buffalo. are going to be tough. They're going to they're <laughs> going to hurt. Um, but also, Jake Elliott is outscoring every tight end right now. A kicker is outscoring every time. Like the position has been terrible. It's yeah. been god awful. There's not a tight end on the out there that's done well for you other than Travis Kelsey, and he even missed week one. So he's questionable. The only real value that I've seen a tight end so far is Sam Laporta. So, I mean, we could just put smoke or fire. Tight end has been a trash can all season. Well, obviously that's fire. Yes. TJ Hawkinson is actually the tight end one. So at least got throw him in there as being a yes. guy that has produced. Yes. Um, but at the end of the day, I the usage is there. I am a believer in Brian Dabble. I think they'll figure things out. They've had a really tough schedule to start the year. It's going to continue for another two weeks. <laughs> uh, it's clear that their wide receiver room is not going to do anything. And if anything coming out of their buy, the the answer is going to be more Waller, not less Waller, more likely than not. You know, I remember in the preseason where we got the the blurb where it's like, Darren Waller looks like he's playing a different sport than everybody out there. He is just unguardable in training camp. But, you know, I I just want to know, was he playing a different sport than everybody else on Monday night? Because he was invisible for three and a half quarters. (laughs) Well, if Daniel Jones knew where to look to throw the ball. Well, guess what, buddy? That ain't changing. And that was the quarterback who. We don't know that. We don't know that. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I know that. They just pay them a a pretty hefty amount. I'm saying there's fire with this. Now, again, I can't blame anybody if you get to the bomb part of tight end and you're like, "Eh, you know, tight end 12, he. He has a, just as good a chance as anybody else catching a touchdown. But this is an offense. Like, I think the Giants might be the worst team in the NFL. I, I think that that may end worse up being, than Chicago. I think they may be worse than Chicago. That is an incredible take. They just gave up 11 sacks to the Seahawks. Do you know how many sacks the Seahawks had the first three games? The Bears lost to a team that. Got 70 points scored on them. Just I, I I just I just want to know the answer. Do you do you know how many sacks the Seahawks gave up the first or they got the first three games? No idea. Five. Five sacks in three games. Eleven. There's just guys. no godly way you think this team is worse than the Bears. I look, man, I saw Evan, you below this team is better. I saw Evan Neal block Darren Waller while Daniel Jones got sacked. That's part of why Darren Waller is like, epic pass. he's literally getting pushed down by his left, by his right tackle. <laughs> I mean, the Bears are letting go a first round pick, a guy they traded a first round pick for because they can't coach him. What was it? 94 to 15, the, the Giants have lost in their primetime games. Like, I, I think it's a competition, a healthy competition uh, be, between a couple teams to be the worst in the league, and the Giants are right there. And Again, you said with the receivers, you can't trust any of them. There's no reason for any of them to be on a roster. In I a start standard. Darius Slayton every week. <laughs> <laughs> like, And you look at Waller, he's tied in 13, 5.7 points per game. It's just, it's rough right now. Will it get better? Maybe a little bit. But uh, I think I'm looking to sell the first chance he gives me. I don't want any part of this offense outside of Saquon Barkley. I stayed the course. All right. Joe Burrow. Dalton, does he belong on your bench? Yeah, this one's fire for me. Me too. Uh, I just put it on here because just because of name recognition, like this Joe Burrow, this is a guy who's been an MVP candidate. He's a hard guy to bench. But when you actually look at it, he should be an easy guy to bench. Yeah, I mean, there's a very clear – like issue with his ankle, he can't drive the ball when he throws it, calf. and yeah, sorry calf. And there's a very clear issue in the locker room. Uh, Jamar Chase being way more vocal than he probably needs to. I about, will say, did you did you see the full clip from that? No, I did not see it. It the full clip, like most things, it looks less bad when you actually see the full clip. He's just kind of answering the question. The question was just like, do you feel like you're able to get open because like framing it in a way of like, is the offensive line bad enough to where you're not having time to get open? And he's like, no, I'm always effing open. Like basically. So it it, it was cut in a way that made it look a little worse than it was. What's disappointing is I think one of the guys who was in the scrum tweet out the cut version of that, but mm-hmm. it, it, whatever it is, what it is. I have a fun uh, start set question for you. Okay. Joshua Dobbs or Joe Burrow. I mean, how can you not start Joshua Dobbs? Over Joe Burrow, do you know where, um, where? Oh, got got a little exciting alert from the reception perception Discord. Matt Harmon says little Rasheed Rice update, showing some nice ability to beat zone coverage, and after the catch, this is a guy that Matt Harmon was not high on coming out. So it's nice to see that that little, little eyebrow raised from Harmon and his first charting of him. That is great, dudes. It's as if he's a loyal listener. Anyway, uh, Joe Burrow, quarterback thirty-one through 4 weeks. Yeah, I I can't buy into it. I would start just about anybody over Joe Burrow at this point. I, he's been behind almost everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh yeah, uh, he he's on the bench for for the next 5 weeks probably until that calf heals up. Yeah, I mean, I I think you're going to have to see this offense look something like you something like the offense that we know before you put him back out there like The Titans blitzed the absolute bejesus out of them the whole game because they knew Burrow cannot create out of structure, or at least they were going to make him prove he can, and he can't. Like their whole offense is quick game, get it to Jamar Chase, and hope he can gain 10 yards, 8 yards, and hope that we can methodically move our way down the field, which is really hard to do. It's because when you're playing that way, all it takes is one penalty, one sack, one run of of two of negative two yards and you're behind schedule and you're in trouble on that series and that's what you're seeing with this offense like you bench burrow you have to keep rolling jamar chase out there don't don't bench chase t higgins hopefully he answers the question for us and just doesn't play this week with a cracked rib um and then joe Mixon, i think just because of the running back landscape you have to keep starting him the volume is there he himself looks pretty good um Joe Burrow, you've probably seen this stat floating around. I probably, one of us has probably shared it in our Twitter DM at some point. Is the first quarterback in NFL history to attempt at least 150 passes in the first four games of a season and average fewer than five yards per attempt on those passes. That is jarring when you think about what this offense usually is. Yeah. I mean, and Joe Burrow's been the X Factor. We've, for two years now, we've lamented Zach Taylor's play calling, yeah. and we'll continue to lament it because I don't think it's good. Uh, fun fact of the day, just to kind of show you how bad this is, T. Higgins right now in the NFL is the has the fourth highest off-target throw rate in the NFL. Uh, the, some players above him are Kyle Pitts and Drake London because Desmond Ritter sucks. Last year, T. Higgins was down at 116th. In off-target throws, like Joe Burrow simply not hitting his targets. He's not hitting it with any velocity. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just not there. Just to give you an idea of how bad it is, A Jamar Chase's catchable rate is low as well. The only reason he looks better is because he is now their slot receiver. Yeah, and he's he's a more natural fit yeah. for the get open in in two seconds than than T Higgins is because you know T Higgins can can get open over the middle. But Jamar Chase is, you know, a freak. He can do anything. So he, he's he's a better player and also just a better fit for what they're needing. Yeah. Right now. All right. Jaleel McLaughlin, Dalton. Top 20 running back if Javante Williams misses time? Yeah, this is smoke. <laughs> okay. Uh, first of all, like, it's – even with Javante going out, he finished with, like, a 28% snap share – um that's I was gonna say he he took 16 snaps. Yeah, and he, he just played the Bears. And this week, like it sounds like Javante's injury is not going to be a, a week, like a, a couple multi-week injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and this week they play the Jets, who, despite what Isaiah Pacheco did last week, have been a very stout rush defense. I have a mm-hmm. feeling the, the Pacheco runs were in part because they were scheming to keep the from throwing the ball. What, what I will say though, is, you know, McLaughlin, he's the guy that they get out in space. Like they throw him the ball too. So he at least won't be completely tied down if they can't run the ball. Like a guy like P Ryan might. Yeah. Well, and Piran was the pass catching back in Cincinnati. So I think both guys have, yeah. have that ability. Um, I, I mean, Probably the better answer is starting anybody in Denver is is a rusty proposition, and definitely not Jaleel. I don't think Jaleel will be top 20 if he were the lead back in this offense. If Javante can't do it, no, I I agree. It's smoke. Um, he did have over 100 total yards, had the touchdown while Javante was still in the game. He scored that touchdown. He's quick, he's He's done that twice. If we're yeah, yeah, twice. He's quick, he's very explosive on the open field. He He's really good at making guys miss. Um, he's definitely a weapon, he's a nice player. Um, but I would just say for the reason you said um, 28% of the snaps or whatever it was, 16 snaps total is what that worked out to be. So just proceed with caution a little bit. I will say though, if Javante does miss this game, he is in the, the flex play category to me, not top 20. And even like, let's just say Javante misses two weeks, not top 20. But if I have to choose a running back to start, at my flex spot, if I have one of those two guys, it's McLaughlin over over Piran every day for me. Yeah, I would probably go down pretty deep down the the rabbit hole before I started either of those guys. When it comes to uh, fantasy, I would probably rather just start a guy like Rashid Shahid and hope he uh, he just gets like a long touchdown pass. <laughs> All right, Michael Wilson is he the wide receiver to own in Arizona I'm saying this is smoke but we're getting enough smoke to where I, I'm kind of like looking seeing if I can see a little little spark in in the smoke you know like his issue right now is volume it's not like it's terrible but seven targets last week I think he caught six of them and it, it's been a you know lower than that most weeks but I man, This guy is good. This guy is a good player. He can line up all over the field. He caught touchdowns from two different from the slot and the outside. This is a guy that Matt Waldman kind of gave the, the Michael Thomas comp coming out. And I think he was a prospect that we both liked because Harmon and Waldman both, both liked him. Um, I think he would have been a higher NFL draft pick, but he was so often injured in college that, number one, he was there for a long time. I think he was a fifth-year senior. And number two, the production profile just wasn't there because he missed so much time in college. But very good route runner. Has a suddenness to to his game as a route runner. I am very interested. 56 receiving yards in three games. I still would rather have Hollywood. But if the targets go up... This guy has the potential to be the more consistent player, and we can talk about upside when we see more. Yeah, I mean, I'm going smoke here too. Obviously, Hollywood is wide receiver 18 with three mm. straight double digit games. I will say this is the only other wide receiver I want. Yep. Uh, I know the entire offseason I said I didn't want to really own anybody that wasn't Michael Wilson in this offense because everybody else is the same player. They're all 5'8 and 170 pounds and run really fast. Uh, the, the only changeup was they made Rondell more running back instead yeah. of a, a wide receiver. Um, but he's definitely the most interesting, especially when it comes to the return of Jimbo Slice. Uh, that's, that's a thought right there. <laughs> uh, but it's just Michael Wilson is going to be their, their best player when it comes. I mean, they're giving Zach Ertz the highest target share on this team they need somebody to emerge. And I think Michael Wilson will be that guy. And if Kyler Murray does play this year, uh, the entire passing offense gets a huge boom. No offense to Joshua Dobbs, but I do think Kyler Murray is substantially better player. And it seems like whatever Arizona is doing, I mean, they kind of got it. Like yeah. they, they are putting together one heck of an offensive team for not really having anything to do. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Okay. We do have a question uh, from Jimbo slice is Trey Palmer startable if mike evans missed time now let's just jump down we have a buccaneers topic here let's go down to that and we can circle back to trey palmer at the end of that conversation are both bucks wide receivers this is mike evans and chris goblin wide receiver twos with baker mayfield at quarterback going forward yeah i'm saying this is fire Mm -hmm. um i don't know what they're cooking in Tampa Bay, but it is insane. So through until this year, Baker Mayfield's completion percentage when under pressure within three seconds was 42%. Mm-hmm. In Tampa Bay, it's 78%. Mm-hmm. I, they are scheming and they have clearly got him out of his own head or his short stint in Los Angeles with Sean McVay gave him an idea of what was possible. Uh, <laughs> but he is, doing what he was horrible at which he's staying in the pocket he's not rolling to his right when there's immediate pressure he's not throwing off target throws and he's just using the weapons he has and this is when they have a run game and this is from ben gretchen stealing signals that is 31st in the nfl in rush yards over expectation yeah not not not, not helping him at all he's not getting in any advantageous situations because they're running the ball getting in the second four yeah, this is all Baker Mayfield right now, which, I mean, I'm sure the wide receiver situation is helping him out because it's one of the best rooms yeah. in the NFL. Um, but w- even without that, like, he is he has gone against the grain on what he showed us in his first five years in the NFL, and it's very exciting. Uh, so, yeah, sm- it's fire. I'm starting those guys every week. No questions asked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I-, I agree. It's fire. Mike Evans right now is a top 10 receiver, wide receiver 9. Goblin is wide receiver 43, but he hasn't caught a touchdown yet. So like you would figure he's going to average out to be a wide receiver two type of guy the rest of the way. And, you know, this was a a situation that a lot of people talked about. I think maybe we mentioned it uh, a time or two where it's like on paper, this is the most obvious 2022 Seattle Seahawks where it's like, we think Geno Smith is bad. So we completely undervalue Lockett and Metcalf. And oh, it turns out Geno is pretty good. And so both those guys are just as awesome as they've ever been. Now, I don't think we're going to get quite that same extreme here. But, you know, these are two guys that if we liked their quarterback, they would both be top 15 receivers and in, in weekly ranks. So the, these guys are still that good. So I think that's kind of what we're seeing here. Um, you know, Baker, for all the reasons you said, is playing well. Um, the, the offense fits him. He fits the offense, however you want to put it and as for trey palmer you know i do like what i've seen from him through these first four weeks if mike evans is out i don't think he's an automatic plug and play um but he's at least in the deep flex conversation is how i would put it chris goblin goes to like a top 20 play and trey palmer like top 40 i don't know yeah and obviously they're by this week so Good shot. Mike Evans comes back healthy. I it, would it deep wide receiver shots like this? Um, I I want to see more from him. I'd probably start somewhere like uh, Westbrook Akine before Trey Palmer, uh, the wide receiver in in Tennessee. I mean, it's not pretty when you're talking this deep, but these are like wide receiver 70 rankings we're talking about right here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go back uh, in order here on the list. Dalton Kincaid is the breakout coming. And I'm going to say this is smoke. But kind of like with uh, Michael Wilson, it's a lot of smoke. Like I'm, I'm trying to get a better view. You know, if I'm driving down the highway and I see the smoke, I'm, I'm looking over the trees to see if I can see the fire somewhere in there. Because I do think it's coming, but I don't think it'll be a full-fledged breakout if Dawson Knox is, is still there and healthy. At least that, that seems most likely to me. The reason why I do think it's at least you know a mini breakout is kind of on the horizon here. You look at the first three weeks, the routes between he and Dawson Knox and the targets were basically equal. Last week, there was a little bit of a shift. Now, it's, a, it's one week. We'll see as we keep going here. But the routes were 20 to 13. It was a season-high 20% target share last week um, for Dalton Kincaid like the and it was a five to one edge uh over Dawson Knox. the underlying numbers at least last week started to tilt a little bit in favor of Kincaid. Now the reason why it probably won't be a full-fledged breakout is they're not really right now featuring one tight end. It's a pretty much a two tight end offense most of the time and that's why I stopped short of of saying a fire, but you know this is a guy, 4.3 targets per game. He's being hurt by when they beat the commanders and he had two targets, three yards, and they didn't, didn't have to throw it all. Like I think in an ideal spot, he could be doing similar things to Sam Laporta. Um, in the spot he's in right now with Knox still firmly in the picture, I think he can turn himself into, you know, let's just say in the Darren Waller ballpark. Yeah. Um, uh, the Darren Waller ballpark. <laughs> okay. Um, I Well, I'm calling fire here. Uh, a couple of things, and this could very well just be a case of them playing Miami and wanting to get out and ahead as quick as possible. But weeks one through three, they ran tw- uh, 12 personnel on the field on 70% of their snaps. 12, pers- it- 12 personnel being two tight end sets. Yes, two tight end sets. Uh, week four, they ran at 12% of the time. And then in 11 personnel, which is one tight end, uh, Dalton Kincaid saw 65% of the snaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, you combine that with... His targets per route run is higher than Gabe Davis and Dawson Knox on this team. His opportunity is there. Uh, The only issue I think in this offense is that he hasn't gotten to be able to play fully in the slot. Uh, Mm -hmm. In part, if you look when they play 11 personnel, Deontay Hardy only has 41 snaps and 39 of them came in 11 personnel sets. They're taking away that slot usage. We kind of hoped for Kincaid and giving it to Dalton or to Deontay Hardy. Um, I think that we'll, will. Change. We'll, we'll, we'll say we'll see if that lasts. That would be one thing that could change that would significantly impact that. Yeah. Well, this is this is also when Deontay Hardy's only run forty one routes this season yeah. in four games. I think it's, it's definitely going to change. Uh, I will continue to be betting on that. So yeah, I think this is fire. And again, you you're betting on upside of tight end. He's tied in twenty eight, and he is seven points off of tight end ten. So yeah. like, it, 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 there's no yeah. big difference. Like yeah. it's insane. <laughs> All right, uh, we have Trey Laughlin in the chat. Says he traded Aaron Jones and Sam Laporta for Josh Jacobs. uh, Win or loss? Uh, I'm going to call it a W. I'm a little worried. This, every week, Green Bay shows us a little more that they are what we thought they were at the start of the season. Yeah. Like Jordan Love probably ain't it. Uh, Clearly, Aaron Jones won a snap count against the Lions on Thursday Night Football. Uh, LaPorta, I mean, he's a huge boon at tight end, but like, he's doing I, well at like six targets a game. It's not like Travis Kelsey volume. Yeah. And I was going to say like, as much as it's things to give up LaPorta, uh, he's not going to continue doing what he's doing. Uh, Jamison Williams, we should mention is back two weeks early. Uh, so we will, we will see how that changes things in Detroit. And of, of course, uh, Oh, and Trey said he has Mark Andrews at his tight end. That's a big W then. Yeah. That, that that's shedding talent for better talent. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll see if Amon Ra St. Brown does not play. That'll be uh it'll be frustrating because there'll be another week we have to wait before really knowing what Jameis Williams will look like in the actual offense. So hopefully Amon Ra can play so we can see it. Yeah. All right, Kyron Williams is a top eight running back. Dalton, I'm giving this one smoke with a capital. S-M-O-K-E. There's just no way. This guy's 5'9", 194 pounds. He's playing 95 to 100% of the snaps weeks two and three. The snaps were down in week four, but he's still got 28 touches. So, you know, decreasing the snaps, but still the touches are, you know, almost 30. He is right now seventh in the NFL among running back in touches. Uh, Rashab White is sixth, which is funny. I, I wonder where he ranks among running backs and fantasy points, uh, despite being sixth in and touches he's proven to be a nice player like i I don't want to come up here and say you know oh he's gonna be rb 30 the rest of the way because i think he's probably proven that he's gonna be better than that but i do number one just worry about him lasting at the rate that that they're working him and then number two he has five touchdowns in four games matthew stafford has three passing touchdowns in four games i think those things will start to self-correct yeah uh so i am also calling smoke here um Kyron Williams, among 58 qualified running backs with at least 15 rushes this year, is 42nd in explosive run rate, 46th in yards after contact per attempt, and 44th in missed tackle force per attempt. He, he's been, he is like the upgraded version of Rashad White because he has touchdowns. Um, <laughs> but and it's no disrespect i think he's going to be like a good rb2 the entire season Mm -hmm. um but yeah going back to matthew stafford's touchdowns i think those are going to go up pretty significantly going forward he is slinging that that rock uh and then the last thing i'll say is Sean McVay has a history of like riding a running back to the ground for five weeks. And then he throws a new running back out to that offense. And the yeah. only guy who, who bucked that trend was Todd Gurley. And I think a large part of that Todd Gurley bucking the trend was he's actually good at football. Yeah. Um, I still have hope that Zach Evans will matter at some point this season. And it could be in the exact way that you just described. Rashad White is the RB 21, despite being um, sixth in, in the NFL. It gets worse. And in, in touches. So yeah, if the touches start to go down, that is that is a concern. All right. Matthew Stafford. Uh we both mentioned it, but Matthew Stafford is the ideal streamer going forward. I'm calling fire on this one. Uh the I'm small fire. I'm saying small fire. There's a little fire. fire there. I I mean he looks like what he looked like two years ago when they won yep. the Super Bowl. Um he's like, I know Pukunukua and Tutu Atwell are, like, fun storylines, but they're doing it in part because of Stafford. If you watched, and I watched it really closely because I love Ainsley Richardson, that Rams game was like a battle of who can fit the ball into tighter <laughs> windows. And, I mean, Matthew Stafford just looks great. Yeah, I, if, if, if you just go highlight searching, he has some of the best throws of any quarterback this season. He, he looks yeah. like Matthew Stafford. Yeah. And once Cup is back, it even sounds like that injury isn't as serious as they originally thought with some of the reporting coming out. I saw uh, someone put up a clip of Pat McAfee talking about something else, but it was him talking about like, Oh, I don't believe a word of it. But then he goes on to say, but how could you not believe every word of it? It's like, that's how I feel about Cooper cup, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, But him back in some way is good. And even if he's not like Nakua is only going to get better with each week. And Sean McVay is scheming up something interesting in Los Angeles. So he's the guy I'm looking for. He's probably still on waivers because he hasn't produced well. He's, he's in a QB the QB 18. He's a QB 18 because he's thrown three touchdowns. Yeah. And I think the more touchdowns are to come for Matthew Stafford. And that's probably for Tyron Williams. There's there's two reasons why I'm saying small fire instead of just like an outright fire. Number one, he has the ankle injury. sustained that. So that's just a, a concern going forward. And number two... Did you look at his next five games by chance? No. And Eagles, I'm usually the schedule guy. Eagles, Cardinals, which, you know, Cardinals have been like a good defense. I, I heard a crazy stat. They're like top. It's like them and the Texans are the top fantasy defenses in limiting opposing offenses fantasy points right now. Just like we all thought. Now, will that continue? I don't know. But Eagles, Cardinals, Steelers. Cowboys and Packers I think those are five pretty good defenses so that's at least a small concern so that that's why it's not like a full fledged fire yeah that is fair um but if I if I have somebody on my roster who I'm already iffy about I would definitely be holding Matthew Stafford to see what he becomes I'm starting him over Joe Burrow despite who he's playing the next five weeks yes I would start him over Joe Burrow as well all right uh guys that we would not start most of the guys in Carolina or all of them Dalton is there a startable player in Carolina I am going fire there is not a single startable player I think the only one you can make an argument for is Miles I mean it's Miles this is a Miles Sanders uh, argument here uh and even then Miles Sanders has been less than inspiring I know I brought up the rush success rate earlier with Kyron Williams Kyron Williams is 44 Miles Sanders is 48 among 54 qualified running backs just not good offensive line play is bad uh Chubba Bubba Max, Chubba Hubbard is (laughs) is doing better than him in like every relevant category. And it's turning into a 50 50 timeshare, which just makes both of them worth less. It's probably worth somebody who got Hubbard off of waivers more than somebody who drafted Miles Sanders. Yeah. None of these guys are getting touchdowns. Yeah. And, you know, Sanders is like he just played a season low, 43 percent of the snaps. He had been more in the 60s before this but he did still have 16 touches despite only playing 43 percent on the snaps he only has one touchdown i'm with you that like you don't expect that to regress too too much because they just may not score yeah. that many touchdowns but even with that he's still running back 26 he's still around right the fringe of the rb2 conversation so that that to me is like this is uh smoke with like uh you can see the the orange glow of a fire like in in the horizon when you kind of look at this situation where it's like I don't want to start Miles Sanders, but depending on your team, it's tough to get away from a running back who's getting over 15 touches per game, which is what he's gotten all four weeks. So you know what? He's not my favorite play. He's not a high upside play, but if you have to do it, I I think it is a very defensible decision. Yeah. Um, If I could sell Miles Sanders for like an even more underperforming running back right now, Uh, I would do, I mean, let's get, let's get crazy. I would trade Miles Sanders for Tajay Spears, Jalen Warren. Oh, Kenneth Dainwell. I I think if you're making those trades, uh, the perceived value is such that you could get a a two for one. You could get two players for Miles Sanders. You could have another guy. Yeah, I think so. Um, But I mean, I'm I'm probably trading him for any running back who also gets 50% of the snap share and trading him on name value. All right. Speaking of 50% of the snap share, that's the whole freaking Chiefs receiver room, Dalton. is the So so smoke or fire? There is no Chiefs wide receiver that should be started until further notice. And I don't know how you say anything but fire um, with this. Like their top three guys in snaps, as you said at the top of the show, are MVS sky Moore and justin watson so i think the real question we kind of need to ask with this is what needs to happen to get us to a place where we actually can start a chief wide receiver in three weeks well i agree with you obviously it's fire um, but i am rostering as many of them as i can like <laughs> that's the worst part uh I we just I re- I really do think what I said at the top of the show I, is is the best call right now, which is Rasheed Rice might be the guy. I still think Kadarius Tony has what he needs. I think he's still getting eased in off that injury. Yeah, uh, I, I I heard a uh, uh, Josh Briscoe make a good point on Times R's uh, a Chiefs podcast where he he said I truly think if if Kadarius Tony had a healthy training camp and you know a healthy. You know, a clean bill of health through four weeks that he'd be their number one receiver right now. But that's the Chiefs' mistake for assuming that that could happen because it, it it just doesn't happen. Yeah. Well, this is also a guy who like he he's never had a training camp with the Chiefs. He was yeah. traded mid season last year. Um So those two are the ones I want the most. Sky Moore, I like like we said earlier, he really needs to show me something. Like being on the field as much as he is and just not getting targeted yeah. is is pretty abysmal in an offense where he is definitely drawing one on one matchups. Every week. The, but... the the advanced stats look worse this year than last year. So I'm hoping it's just a blip and he can rebound. Um, I don't know how much uh, a bad week one is weighing things down. Obviously not having Kelsey more of the defense leaned the receiver's way than otherwise would. Um, So I, I'd be curious with Sky more what those numbers look like in another four weeks. Yeah. And then I, I probably like if I have a deep bench and redraft, I'm rostering my boy, Justin Ross, like I, the, the offense needs something and it's more of the receivers who aren't seeing time. And those are Tony, Rasheed Rice and Justin Ross. And it, it, you're just throwing a dart to see if one of these guys connects to Mahomes, and they figure each other out. Yeah. So I, I think the, the two scenarios that get us to a place where we can have uh real questions about, can I start this guy? And my flex this week is number one, the most obvious Rasheed Rice. Can he, earn more of an every down roll he he's getting up there he was like at 43 percent of the routes the other night you know i'm not the biggest pff guy but he and mike evans have the same pff grade right now so it's been it's been good it's been good for rice vastly different usages to be yes yes vastly different usages but it's been good and the chances he's gotten it has been good and you know i saw a a good point made on chiefs Twitter there day that part of the reason why he is getting, cause he's getting more opportunity than, than most young receivers at this point, part of that is depth chart. And part of that is because he's a legitimately good run blocker. And, yeah. and, and that's been part of why he's found himself on the field a little bit more, and hopefully that continues. But we know how frustrating Andy Reid can be with with young receivers. They have a good game. You think they're in the rotation, and then they're just banished for a week (laughs) just for for no reason. So They go to the shadow realm. I think one scenario is is Rasheed Rice just being that dude. Uh, I think the second one is just a healthy Kadarius Tony to where we can get him on the field a little bit more because I just think you're going to have to see a lot of production out of sky before you can trust him in your lineup. And not to say that the same isn't true with, with Tony, but for Tony, it's been more of an availability issue, obviously. Whereas with sky more, like you said, it, it's been, he's played in 20 games with the chiefs, eight of those, he has zero targets. Uh, so, and obviously two, two of those or zero catches. And he's had two games like that, that just this season when he's has a larger role. So I think we need to see uh Kadarius, Tony, finally be healthy enough to, to earn a bigger snap share, which feels impossible, but we'll see. Maybe it could happen. Yeah. Um, and then you just want to be early. Like if Justin Ross catches a touchdown, he's probably going to be the top winner every week, I feel like, mm-hmm. just because of the history he has um, at his time at Clemson. Everybody knows his situation. Yep. All right. Let's uh, get to this last question before we uh, send – the the listeners out of here and then get to the the five minute dynasty segment here from calvo in the chat would we trade jamar chase and michael Pittman for kyron williams and keenan allen no I uh, res- res- resounding no even even though keen that that even though keenan and kyron have both been great through the first month like you you might really regret like you've got to have other ways to improve your team now than selling jamar chase Yeah, well, so Keenan Allen is fourth in the NFL in targets. One of those is the game Mike Williams towards ACL and he hit 20 targets. (laughs) Uh, Jamar Chase is sixth in the NFL. And then Michael Pittman is eighth in the NFL in targets. Um, And I don't expect Michael Pittman, Keenan Allen, or Jamar Chase to really drop off. Obviously the targets Pittman gets are worth less because Richardson still has inaccurate throws. Um, But like we said earlier, Kyron Williams is a big time regression candidate. Five touchdowns in four games mm-hmm. is pretty unsustainable. And um, all of those are rushing. Yeah, and he's been he's been less than efficient on the ground game. So I don't really expect an efficiency edge on those touchdowns. And then we we expect people like Matthew Stafford to throw more touchdowns. Um, so yeah, no, I wouldn't do that at all. Um, I would do like, I, I yeah, I just wouldn't trade for Kyron Williams in redraft. Yeah, and I I I just don't want to give up. Jamar Chase, I I hate selling low on a guy that I took with my fifth overall pick. I just don't yeah. want to do that. Yeah, and like as hard as it is, if you can make the playoffs, and I think by the fantasy playoffs Joe Burrow will be healthy, then you have like that thirty point explosion of Jamar Chase possible again because Joe Burrow well, there. You know, even if he's not healthy the, the this next month, how often have we seen Jamar Chase take a five yard pass and go eighty yards? Like it just yeah. hasn't happened yet. Yep. All right, we'll get to one more question that just popped in, and then we are going to to move on. Full PPR, rest of season, DJ Moore or Debo Samuel? That is a tough one. I think DJ Moore is wide receiver 13 and half point scoring right now. It's been a struggle, boss. I think my answer is DJ Moore as well, though, uh, over Debo, just because – I mean, the only answer in Chicago has been DJ Moore for Justin Fields in the passing game. Uh, the, the thing with Debo is he's only a really trustworthy asset right now with one of the other big three on that team this time. I agree. It's DJ Moore. I feel terrible about it, so that means it's a good question. <laughs> yes, it is a very good question. Uh, and, but, yeah, I mean, the the like, snap share and the route run percent, it's just hard to get anybody who you trust in – San francisco except for maybe iuk who's whew, certified stud now yep yep been a certified study is just showing it now and that is going to do it for the normal version of this podcast anybody not in our dynasty league you can turn it off basically from this point forward uh but first before you do give us a follow twitter instagram and tiktok at half point per pod subscribe to the youtube half point Per podcast we will get to every question in the comments every episode like we have done the last couple, we appreciate all of the questions in the comments. And Dalton, let's get to it. SFFL Sunday Fun Day for Life Week Four. Let's just start with I'll give I'll give my team of the week here. Team of the week has got to be brought to you by Bud Light. Our buddy Troll <laughs> scores uh, 165 points this week on the back of. points from Christian McCaffrey and 33.1 points from David Montgomery. He knocks off, uh, I don't even want to try and pronounce Juan's team name, but Juan's team uh, to move the two and two, kind of put himself back firmly in the playoff hunt. So good on Troll for bouncing back this week. Yeah, uh, definitely the second most impressive performance of the week. (laughs) I I have to give the most impressive performance to none other than to yourself to to myself. Yes, uh, I I rostered and fielded what can only be one of the worst teams started in fantasy football this week. Uh, would like to give a congratulations to newly traded Cortland Sutton, who got me a touchdown. Uh, other than that, the only double-digit player I had was Anthony Richardson. I had three players, four players, sub five points. Um, but friend of the show, Eli Beery, unfortunately fielded a worse roster than I could this week. And he only scored 61 points to my 67 (laughs) and I will say, as a team trying to be worse than the Chicago Bears this year, I did not expect any wins, <laughs> and I'm very happy to have my one win, and I do not expect any more wins, except my, this week when I play Evan Riggs. <laughs> <laughs> my, my loser of the week was uh, was going to this matchup, and that was going to, uh, to Eli, the, the San Fernando skunks. You know, just last week, Dalton, you had Eli in that playoff hunt. You had him ahead of a couple teams that I disagreed with. And what does Eli do? He turns around. He scores sixty-one points. Uh, Darren Waller, none other than Darren Waller. All he needed was Darren Waller to outscore Darius Slayton by three points in Monday Night Football, and they basically draw at at three points. As Waller was stuck on one target, one catch for five yards for almost that entire game, for a couple catches in garbage time. That's a that's a tough setback for for uh, Mister Beery, who you know needed that win if he was going to make a playoff push. It's still there for him. Uh, this week, he draws a very favorable matchup against the Atomic Armadillos. And somehow, someway, the Atomic Armadillos are 3-1. Uh, <laughs> I still think the Skunks got it, but maybe maybe he benches Kirk Cousins this week because he plays a stout Kansas City defense. Well, how the Atomic Armadillos are 3-1 is, you know, they, they've had some good weeks themselves, but also uh, 298 points against. They're the only team with less than 300 points scored on them this season I put up a whopping 76 on this exact team this week and before we get out of here um we've got to go with the transaction of the week it is not a good one it is uh Cooper Cup in our league going for what can only be described as the poo-poo platter of all poo-poo platters uh from Brad trading him uh to Brian the the Chirac donkey punchers uh quite the team name for Mr. Clark here, let me um, go going the Cooper Cup's profile right now to try and find it. Is Cooper Cup not? Where is Cooper Cup? Oh, he's still on his eye. Oh, this is some roster manipulation. I, oh, he's not activated on IR yet. But he was limited in practice. I had to see Cooper Cup off, off of that IR pretty quickly here. Um, he goes for Rashawn Johnson, who just took uh, 22% of the snaps this week a 2025 second round pick and a 2024 third round pick, which is mine. So I'm hoping it's uh, not a very high third round pick. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Not great Dalton. Not great. Not great on that trade. Makes makes Brian's roster a lot better. I will say my transaction of the week uh, was none other than the Overland Park priest dropping the artist formerly known as Alan Robinson I regret to inform everybody that I don't think it's happening, with Alan <laughs> Robinson. I, I think I think what we hope for his career is over. Infamously, last off season, I did trade Tyreek Hill for Alan Robinson. Uh, looking back, we wish we could have that trade back. I think we've got the identity of Jimbo Slice outed here <laughs> uh, with, with that one. Uh, not roster manipulation yet because Cup is still on the IR. But he practiced today. It wasn't limited, Sean McVay said. So I'm I'm just waiting for that designation to go off, waiting for that guy Brian has to drop. Same here. Uh, All right. Commissioner Jimbo, watch those (laughs) rosters. (laughs) You know, um, that is going to do it uh, for this week's edition of half for Podcast of the SFFL update. Maybe next week, Dalton will come with more updates other than about his own team. this segment thank you guys all so much for listening we will talk to you again next week